Welcome to Creating Smarter Spaces, where we explore the intersection of technology, innovation, and the built environment. Produced for corporate real estate, facilities management, and workplace technology executives like you, this podcast is your go-to resource for staying ahead of the ever-evolving world of Smarter Spaces. Smart buildings, smart workplaces, digital twins, office of the future. These are all buzzwords we hear every day and are often used interchangeably. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the difference between smart buildings and smart workplaces. How should you think about the delineation between the two of them, the roles they play in your portfolio and what you as a corporate real estate, facilities management or workplace leader can do to keep pushing the industry forward. I'm your host, Michael Prisciula, and this is Creating Smarter Spaces. So let's dig in. Today, I want to dive into a topic I feel there's a lot of wishy-washy confusion on. A topic where many catchphrases and industry terms get used interchangeably, and one that I think there needs to be some clarity in the market on. That topic is what's the difference between a smart building and a smart workplace. On a weekly basis, I hear these terms used almost interchangeably, and I think we could all do with some level setting on the difference between the two. So that's what we're here to talk about today. Let's start off with my definition of a smart building. When I talk about a smart building, I'm talking about an entire structure from the core and the shell operating in a smart way, being controlled by some type of technology. This smartness, so to speak, is in all the common building systems and services that keep the core structure operating, along with any shared services the building provides to the one or many tenants that may exist inside. These are typically things like plumbing, core electrical, vertical lift, core security, other types of shared services. This typically also extends to HVAC and BMS systems for the vast majority of scenarios. But let's also be clear. Having an HVAC system connected to a BMS doesn't make a building smart. These are systems and services typically operated or offered by the landlord to a commercial tenant in a typical scenario. Now, obviously, if you're also in the situation where you're both the landlord and the tenant, like can often be the case for many financial institutions and a few other scenarios, or you're an owner occupier, These systems may be a little more intertwined with your workplace, but for simplicity's sake, these are typically considered part of the building. I'm purposefully using the word typically a lot right there because I've seen as many funky lease scenarios as you have, and as you know, anything's really possible. This is probably the longest running field in what we call prop tech today, and where most of the industry legacy sits. This is also where there's a huge amount of fragmentation. I was just recently at Realcom and IBCon in Las Vegas. There were over 200 exhibitors on the floor, most of them offering some type of smart component for a building. There was everything from a sensor to detect if a pipe was frozen to an IoT-connected natural air filter that contained a live plant. Little shout out there to Origin Air. If you want to look at great product that they've got, I'll put a link in the show notes for you. Anyway, a smart building is typically operated by the landlord or their delegated management company 
in an attempt to optimize their own operational costs or improve the services they're seeking to provide to you, their tenants. A smart workplace, on the other hand, is the space you build inside the shell, inside the envelope of the services your landlord provides you as part of your lease. It should be designed to optimize the experience of the people visiting your specific tenancy or your operational teams keeping the space running inside of the leased envelope. These can be physical systems such as lighting, access control to your tenancy, but can also often include many more soft systems such as digital signage, wayfinding, visitor management, space booking, mobile apps, lockers, and the smart workplace topic du jour, occupancy systems, and indoor air quality. Now, there is also a crossover item here when it comes to HVAC. In most scenarios, you'll likely be in a space where HVAC is controlled and managed by your landlord. However, there are also some scenarios where you'll either have your own or a hybrid scenario where you'll have a sub-BMS that relies on your landlord system for supply of some HVAC functions. These are often things such as fresh air intake, but allows you to control other aspects like temperature, vents, etc., in your own space. And like I said before, probably every model you can find in between. The pandemic has also put an increased awareness amongst the population in general about air quality. And I'm seeing more and more organizations focus in this area as well. This is also one of those items that whomever manages HVAC today may already have some level of data and monitoring in place with, but I'm willing to bet they don't share it to you as a tenant. Now, if they do, it's buried in some annual report they send, or they'll tell you it's available via a portal somewhere that no one in your organization who would be interested in it on a day-to-day -day basis only has access to, if they even remember to access it. There is little upside to your landlord sharing it with you, and only downside for them. This is why it's becoming more and more a component of the workplace, the services and the information that you control and that you have access to. One that, if I'm honest, many landlords are not thrilled about, mainly because it allows you to hold their feet to the fire in an area that they're typically pretty lax about proactively managing and you've never really been able to know it. But this is a topic for a whole other episode, so I'll just leave it there for today. The smart workplace is the space the experience and the service that you can control. This is the space you can drive consistent service, consistent systems and consistent experiences across your portfolio. Think of it as your space within their space. Smart workplaces add value to you, the CRE, FM or workplace leader into very specific areas. The first is operational efficiency. Using technology inside your space to automate manual tasks like checking the coffee machine isn't empty or doing routine maintenance checks for things like leaking pipes in risers. They get you real-time insights into what's happening in the space, things like occupancy at very granular levels, and no, I'm not talking about badge data. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole today. It's a topic for another full episode, but for those of you that know me, know I have a very point of view on occupancy some of which I've published already, and I'll put links to these in the show notes. But needless to say, this is another topic for another future episode. Smart workplaces also enable you to manage the space with far more agility. 
you can move from providing time-based services like cleaning the restrooms every two hours to cleaning them whenever 100 people have used them, as an example. You can close down floors or wings of buildings when you know that attendance is going to be low for a certain day or a week. Importantly, these decisions are based on the accurate data that you've been gathering from your own smart workplace. These activities save you real money on operations, utilities, and services. These are hard dollar savings you can achieve if used properly and can easily be used to justify the cost of implementation of a whole smart workplace program within the first year. Now the second and more intangible benefit is the improvement to employee experiences and efficiency inside your space. Smart workplaces use technology inside the workplace to remove what I refer to as friction points throughout the day of an occupant. They use technology to automate, predict, or assist those that consume the space and do so more efficiently and more effectively. It may be real-time wayfinding services that help your people navigate to the room of the next meeting across a campus. There could be digital signage that allows you to show real-time and upcoming availability of meeting rooms, phone booths, or other spaces that they might like to use, all without needing them to roam the floors looking for one that's open. It could also be a mobile app that enables your people to reserve a desk and access any building across your entire portfolio. The same app also tells them when those that they work with the most virtually are also in the same office as they are. It could also be as simple as a sign outside a meeting room, telling your people whether the room is booked right now or not, or whether someone's abandoned it, and when's the next meeting going to start. These are just some very simple examples of what a smart workplace is capable of delivering when it comes to experience. And while it's difficult to derive a hard value for these, because no one is sending you a bill with the cost of how many hours someone roamed the floors looking for somewhere to sit or to find a meeting room each month, there's certainly other ways to measure the impact they have had on your business. I also believe the workplace is now more than ever a key part of the employee value proposition when it comes to attraction and retention of employees. Whether your people are required to go in five days a week or even they choose to come in every few months, one or two days, no one wants the picture of their workplace in their mind to be a cube farm from the 1990s with a corkboard on the wall. As a CRE, FM or workplace leader, you own the picture that's built in their minds, the memory of the physical accumulation of your brand, and that is the place that they work. The thing about creating a smart workplace, it's not about having a system or a tool. A smart workplace is created by you for your people to give the experiences that you want. It's part delivering standardized, optimized operational rigor to how you operate services in your portfolio and part crafting a unique experience to both improve the efficiency of your people when they're in the space. As I just mentioned, I also believe it forms part of your brand, your employee value proposition to help make come to life who you are as a company and what it's like to be part of the team. We've been doing this through architecture and interior design in spaces, arguably for decades. Smarter spaces is how we continue to do this in the digital age. Before I continue, I'd love to hear your feedback on the show or topics you'd like to have me cover. So please connect with me on LinkedIn. My name can be a tricky one to get your mind around spelling, 
Don't worry, it's me, not you. Just use the quick link I've set up for you at smarterspaces.live connect. That will take you straight to my profile page and please shoot me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Now, back to the episode. In an attempt to add value to tenants, I have over the past few years seen many landlords rush out to try and bring digital services that should sit in the workplace to tenants at the building level. Some examples I've seen multiple times now are landlords building mobile apps for their buildings or wanting to provide tenants occupancy reporting or space booking capabilities. Unless you're a really small organization and this is your only office or your only major office, this isn't the place to be getting these services from. Why? Well, because everyone implements them differently. Do you want your employees that go to your San Francisco office one week needing to download, say, application A, and then they go to New York the following week and have to download application B? Even if so, how are they supposed to know they're supposed to do that? Trust me when I tell you this is a model that doesn't work and your employees will not use. There's too much friction. This is exactly what smarter spaces are trying to solve for. The same goes for occupancy. One landlord gives you occupancy based on the number of badge swipes at a turnstile and the other gives it to you with some sensor they've put into an elevator lobby. They're measuring two different things. And I'll also add to this, do you want your landlord to have full access to your attendance numbers for the past X number of years when it comes time for your lease to be renewed? I'll leave that as a question for you to answer. I'm a strong believer that you need to be in control of the services you offer inside your space. This enables you to consistently control what you're measuring across your portfolio and you're providing your employees and visitors a consistent experience in your spaces. Now, there are benefits to building a smart workplace inside a smart building. There should be, and I've been lobbying the landlord side of the industry now for some years, to do the work they need to do to bring more value to everyone. We need them to offer more digital services that you can tap into versus digital tools your people need to use directly. This is what the IT industry calls microservices. They need to enable you to easily interact with the services they are providing in the building via your own platform and tools. These will not only allow you to provide better service in your space to your occupants, but it will also ultimately make their lives as building operators easier as well. One classic example I continue to see is the sometime days of delay that goes on between when somebody gets issued an access card to your space, say a new employee, and the time that it takes for them to be enabled in the base building system. This is something that should occur in seconds not in days. We shouldn't be emailing spreadsheets to building operations for someone to key some kind of access number or access card details into what in many cases is the exact same access control system that you've got deployed in your space or uploading this file via text into some unsecured FTP site. It's 2023 people, this isn't 1983. There should be no human intervention or time-based delays required to make this happen, period. The same goes for elevators. Who's sick of pressing the elevator call button at lunchtime or at the end of the day? Only for the elevator doors to open and only see a car full of people. If you were in the office, I bet this happened to you last week. This is a common scenario that is so simple to solve. 
would expedite people flow in a building, it would improve occupant experience, and would even reduce operational costs for the building owner. And yet, it still happens hundreds of times a day in even the newest, supposedly smartest buildings in the world. So why? Why is this still happening, do you ask? Well, that's a great question. And the only conclusion I've been able to come up with is this. Because the people who are specifying elevator services in these buildings are asking for the same thing they've asked for in RFPs for every building they've specified for the last 20 years. They're specifying the system in isolation and they aren't thinking about the end user experience of what's going on when the person needs to use the elevator. They're only thinking about what the elevator does, not the role of the elevator in the end-to-end -end activity the person that's using it is trying to achieve. They're not thinking about what they can do to improve that process. If you're an elevator pro or you know someone that is, I would love to chat with you. This is a challenge I'd love to see solved. Hit me up, smarterspaces.live slash connect. Let's solve this one. Or if you've already solved it, let me know. I'd love to showcase it on the podcast. So as you've seen, there are some great possibilities that lay ahead of us in combining smart buildings with smart workplaces. But they are two very different things serving two very different audiences. You can have one without the other. And I'd argue there are very, very few strong examples today of really integrated smart buildings with smart workplaces. But there is a great road of possibilities ahead of us here. And it's exactly why I'm so excited to be right here, right now. And I hope that you are too. Together, we can make this happen. So that's how I think about the delineation between the two. Smart buildings, the services offered to you in the core and shell by your landlord that you typically have little or no control over. And smart workplaces, the services you build for your employees and operations teams inside the container your landlord gives you to operate in. As a leader in this space, this is the area that you have to innovate inside of. This is your area of influence and control. This is your playground. This is where you can create your smart experiences in just the way you create the look and feel of the spaces, the colors, the furniture. This is the space you control the digital experience and capabilities of. And while yes, there are some benefits you can gain from being in a smart building, the smart workplace is where you get to bring the most value to your employees, your brand, your operations teams, and your operating efficiencies. This is where you can create your smarter spaces. So that's a wrap on today's episode. But before we leave today, just a reminder, I make this podcast for you. So if it's something you like and feel others would too, please consider leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice or share it with a colleague or friend. Not sure how to, not a problem. Just point them to smarterspaces.live slash listen and all the options will be available right there. As always, one final disclaimer, all views and opinions I share on this podcast are my own and may not necessarily be those of my employer. I trust you've enjoyed today's topic and I hope you'll tune in for another episode soon. This is where real estate, facilities management and technology converge. This is Creating Smarter Spaces.